0: All right. Well, bless you, bless you. Let's let's jump in. We're starting a, a new series called "But Wait, There's More," and uh, that's what we're talking about. We we wanted to do this together with the launch of our Saturday night. Last night was great, and thank you so much. There's a, a lot of you doing double duty. Some people came last night. You're serving today. Some people served last night, and you're here today. And and uh, you know, and, and some people Saturday night just worked really good for them, and they're not here this morning because Saturday night was awesome. But you know what that does? It opens up space. It opens up parking. Opens up to other things so, so it's, it's a way for us to in the same building still grow the body of Christ here we'd hit about 400 people and uh, you know this this building our parking all those things can't really sustain much more than that so we thought we got to go to two meetings and two services and I'm surprised at how many families are really grateful because there's been challenges now on Sunday with kids activities and things that are going thank God there's Saturday night so I think this is going to work feel the grace of God on it and uh, but that means we can we can fill up Sunday a bit more so get some friends invite some people and it's going to be good. Amen. Amen. So wait, there's more. Now, whenever I say there's more, I kind of, I kind of get concerned about the more. We want more. Oh God, we want more of you. And I'm not talking about that kind of more, you know, the more of striving and the more of trying to overcome God's reluctance. It's like God has more, but you know, 10 more Holy Ghost pushups and I'll give you a bit. You know, it's almost like there is more, but I only give it to a few people. I only give it to the desperately hungry. Do you want more? Get hungry. And then I'm like, how hungry do I have to get? What, what is enough? I don't know. What's the scale of breakthrough? I, don't, I don't, What do I got to do to get a biscuit down here? And sometimes when you say there's more, there's more. You set people up on this, you know, pathway of striving, trying to, trying to squeeze a little favor out of God for such a time as this. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that there is lots more. But you don't get it by striving and trying to break down God, you know, he finally twisted his arm enough that he's releasing something. There's more, and you just need the revelation of it. There's more. There's there's more. God says that his love is unfathomable, or some translations say it's unsearchable. So you know what? If you can't search it out, and yet he says he's given you his spirit so that you can go after it. But going after it isn't, isn't like some quest that you're on. Going after it is because I know there's more. I'm on a quest to receive. I'm on a quest to appropriate every wonderful thing that God has already freely given me. He has freely given you everything. So we've got a couple verses just to start off. You've got the John 10.10. 10. We're all familiar with that one, right? This is the part B of the verse. Part A of the verse is the devil comes to steal, to kill, destroy. The devil, the devil does that only. He only does that. But it says, I have come that they may have life and they may have life more abundantly till it overflows, gushing. I mean, not a little bit, but overflowing life. So he came that we might have that life. And you see, accepting Christ, just coming into relationship with him, that qualifies you because he's the one who qualifies you for more. He did it. You don't have to somehow qualify yourself for it. God himself wants to give you more. God wants to give you more. God wants to continuously pour out on you over and over again not just a little bit but overflowing, gushing eternal life, the God kind of life, constantly there. It is a, a it's a stream, it's a gusher, it's a fountain that will never ever cease. When I was a kid, we used to go down, uh, down near the bypass in Peterborough, and, and down there, there was a bunch of little streams, and trucks used to pull over there, and guys would go. It was beautiful, crystal clear, cool water. And so these guys would stop, and they loved this water. But we would go down there, and just for fun, we would throw all kinds of rocks in the stream. And, and you could see where, the, where the, you know, the gushers were coming out, and we would try to plug them. We would just you know, spend a the day there trying to plug up. But no matter where we plugged, it would pop up somewhere else you know, no matter how hard even you try to plug up the flow of God's goodness in your life, it's going to bubble up somewhere else. God is committed to you being overwhelmed with his goodness. God is committed to you having more. And that's the context of, but wait, there's more. There's so much more. Another verse. One of my favorites, this kind of, uh, this is the first verse I wrote on a little card and I carried it in my wallet because I thought it was so amazing. Like, first time I read it, I was just like, whoa, like Romans 6, Romans 8 were the first chapters that I memorized, but this one, I wrote this and I kept it in my wallet because I just think, wow. And this is the Amplified version. It says, he who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all. He, God gave his son up for everyone. Jesus is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the whole world. So He gave His Son for us. How awesome is that? Listen to this. But wait, there's more. Will He not also, along with Him, freely and graciously give us all other things? You didn't save yourself. You didn't even know you're lost. He did it. And you know what? You being born again was an act of God. You were born from above. God loves you. He's nuts about you. You were forgiven even before you knew you were forgiven. You know, you were forgiven, but through a revelation of God, you accepted the fact that you were forgiven. He's the lamb who takes away the sin of the whole world. And you got to accept that. It's important to accept that. But listen, along with his son, he will graciously give you all other things, freely and graciously. That's not, you know, if you qualify. If you get 10 Fruit Loops box tops. <laughs> he has already graciously qualified you through the gracious gift of his son. Along with him, how much more will he not give you? Some place you go, I gave you the son free, but now it's work. And now, because you're glad that you're saved, you're going to live for him. And you're going to please him. And you're going you're gonna to give your life for him every day. And you better do that, or he'll be displeased with you. God's nuts about you. He'll never have a negative thought about you. He's always going to love you. And your motivation to serve him should only come from the fact that you have a revelation of how much he loves you. Any motivation outside of the spirit of God, any motivation to serve him out of your flesh does not even register in eternity. Hello? I love that testimony. I don't even know what God's doing or what he even wants me to do, but I know there's an imperishable, incorruptible seed that He's put in my heart that is springing up into eternal life. I know He who began a good work in me, He will complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. I love one translation: He'll bring it to a flourishing conclusion. Who's going to do it? He's going to do it. Aren't you glad He's committed to the more in your life? Amen. You know, no matter how much religion and tradition and false teaching is throwing rocks in the spring of your experience, God is going bubble up and he's going to bring his good I think I'm preaching a little better today than I did last night I don't even know why there's there's just so much you must be better worshipers you created a greater realm through through works works and effort you broke through the cranium of my Dysfunction. I don't even know what that means. But it, hey, I'm going to hang my hat on this text right here. It's John chapter 20. John chapter 20 and uh, 19 and 22. Now, this is after Jesus was resurrected. And we know that a bunch of women uh, came and said they saw Jesus. Uh, Peter and John saw the empty tomb. And they heard the women. And uh, we know the guys on the road to Emmaus, they said some women, they're out of their minds, told us that they'd seen Jesus. They were leaving their destiny. They saw Jesus. They saw their rabbi they saw the one who did miracles performed all kinds of things the one who taught them about his kingdom and how it would come you know that Jesus he was brutally violently murdered on a cross and they saw that and he just took it he just died he dropped his head and he died and they all ran away See here they are. Here's where they are now. Just, just despondent, disappointed, and you know, here's, here's, uh, you know, Peter and John are like the body's gone, and you know what? They're gonna blame us. They're gonna come after us for his body. They're gonna crucify us. They're gonna kill us. And so this is what's going on. This is where they are. And look what it says on the evening of that day. That was the day, the first day of the week, the resurrection Sunday. That day, it says the doors being locked. The doors were locked. They locked the doors. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and he stood among them. Isn't that great? You know, Cheryl, when she's put together a song list, she didn't know exactly what I was preaching on or what the text was, but I love the fact that he came. You know, there was darkness, frustration. I was confused. I didn't know what was going on. But you know what? In every situation like that, you don't have to do something to qualify for him to come. He comes. You know, the guys on the road to Emmaus, they were walking away from their destiny, and all of a sudden, it says Jesus caught up with them, and he walked with them, and he taught them, and he opened their eyes, and they saw Jesus. And they turned around, and they went back into the purpose of God. Even when you're in absolute despondency, walking away, turn your back on God's call in your life, he will catch up with you. So here's these guys. These guys are terrified. They're like, what are we going to do? Lock the door. Oh, my goodness. He had already told them, this is going to happen. And after I am raised, he says, go to Galilee. Go go ahead. I'll meet you there. And I mean, all of those words, the the vividness, the the violence, I mean, the shock that they went through, the one who calmed storms, who who called the dead, who, who multiplied loaves and fishes, the one who did all of those things was there, just murdered on a cross, and we all saw it. And they ran away. See, sometimes what's happening in your physical world screams at you so loud that the truth and the promises of God's word just have no place. They're squeezed out of your life. But thank God when you're in that place, he shows up. Can I get an amen? amen. Man, I'm telling you. Jesus came, stood among them, and he said to them, Boo. <laughs> I mean, the door's locked. He didn't like... Hello, it's Jesus. Hello. All of a sudden, he's there. I don't know about you, but I go, dude. Really glad that the first word was boo. No, the the first word was, I think maybe the first experience was boo, but the first word was peace. Peace. Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. It's really me. Yeah, Yeah, those wounds you saw me bear, all that stuff that I went through, it's really me. I was dead, but I'm alive. <laughs> I'm back to enforce the will of my father, and I have every legal authority to do it because I poured my blood on the mercy seat and I'm back. I'm back to enforce every promise of my heavenly father. Isn't it good? Isn't it good? He's back. See now, you know, when 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 my parents died, there was a will. And people could contest it or they could argue about it, or they could say things about it, but, but you know they weren 't there. If, if there was something we weren 't sure about, what did they mean by that we didn't we didn 't have them to say, "Hey, what did you mean by that by the way we couldn 't do that, but you know what the beautiful thing about Jesus is he died but he's alive to enforce his will in his testament. So we don't have to say, well, what did you mean by, you know, by your stripes we are healed? What did you mean by that? Because like those stripes you got in your back, the blood you poured out, what do you mean by that? Is that a part of my inheritance? Yes, it is. And he can speak to us. And he is ready to enforce that victory that he won. Praise Jesus. Anyways, glory to God. Peace be with you. As a father sent me, I'm sending you. He said, I like that. It says, when the disciples, they were glad when they saw the Lord. That's good. And Jesus said to them again, again, he said, peace be with you. As the Lord is sent me. I am sending you. This is so good, isn't it? There's so much in this little conversation. They're terrified and they're afraid. But first he says, look, I'm alive. I am who I said I am. I'm back. And then he said, look, I'm back. And I want you to be glad. I want to get rid of your fear and despondency. But I also want to tell you that I give you peace because I'm sending you on a mission for God. And I'm sending you on a mission for God. And then it says he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same spirit that Jesus operated in. That's the same spirit we receive. Just as God fashioned man and then blew the breath of life in him, just as God fashioned his son and baptized him with the Holy Spirit, God has fashioned his body, the body of Christ, and he's breathed the breath of life into the body of Christ, and we are here to take peace everywhere in the world and to manifest the peace of God. As I was sent, I send you. What did the angels say? There's a child who's born. He is Christ the Lord. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards man. Why do I know there's going to be peace on earth? Because I watch beauty pageants. Some of you do as well, and I know that the common man, the greatest thing they desire is uh, world peace. <laughs> I just threw that in there. All right. So look, uh, I was reading about locked doors. So I was reading, uh, uh, just looking, isn't the internet amazing? So I, I, I was checking why do people lock their doors. And I came up with an insurance company in the UK. And they're the biggest insurer of students and student contents in their dorms. And so they also had a list of reasons students should lock their dorms. And so I thought it was a great list. Number one for escape. Not escape because somebody's attacking you, but sometimes you just need to get away, right? Don't you need to get away? And sometimes if you're in a dorm and there's people all over the place, sometimes it's good to just shut the door, leave me alone for a minute, want to catch my thoughts, want to just meditate by myself. Anybody else need to escape every once in a while? Get to go for a walk, find that place where you can just get away, leave me alone. Thank you, Jesus. So they say it's good. You should have the door for Also, it keeps the peace, because he says people could walk in, somebody could while you're there, if you didn't lock your door, they'll come in, borrow a book, or you know, take your stapler or something like that. And then you go to their room, you're visiting, you go, that's my stapler, you dog. And so if you lock your doors People can only take stuff when you give it to them and you won't have those confusions, right? It's like my neighbor, I was playing horseshoes with Kevin and we kept throwing horseshoes and Kevin would miss the pit all the time and he was so strong. And the horseshoes would roll into his grass and he'd just look at us like, you know, the horseshoe would somehow, uh, it's just grass. But anyways, I saw, it was a problem. So uh, because of that, we built a fence. And I found out fences make better neighbors. So now my horseshoe stay on my side of the fence, and we can smile at each other and say, hey, neighbor, how's your day? And So you know what? Sometimes it's good just to keep the peace. Security, it is good to secure your stuff. Uh, use keys, keep keys. What they mean is, you know, some people misplace their keys because they haven't used them for a long time, then they don't know where they are. But you know, if you use your keys, you keep your keys. I thought that was good advice. They said, you came from mom and dad's place, and at mom and dad's place, you know what they did? They locked their doors. You should lock your doors. It's a good practice. And the last one was pranks. Say, because sometimes you're in school with all these people and they do stupid pranks, which reminded me very quickly of the fact when we were in Bible school, we had an apartment, went with uh, my wife. We were married students, and we had an apartment on campus. It was right above the bookstore, right in the main courtyard. So our kitchen window looked over the courtyard. And we, we got really friendly with all the students, and everybody would come and invade our home. You know, they thought our home was just a place to come drop in and hang out. So we had to make a rule that if the light was on above our kitchen sink, they could visit. If the light was off, please leave us alone. So we did those kind of things. But we didn't lock our doors at Bible school because we thought all these holy people would never rip us off, right? So they didn't rip us off. But one night I got up, I had to go to the bathroom. And I know this might seem a bit crude, but I had to do a number one, not a... Anyway, I went to the bathroom. Sure enough, it was a very strange experience. They didn't turn the lights on, but it got very, very messy. And I went, what is going on? And when I turned the lights off, the students had come and saran wrapped their toilet. I know that's really crude. What's that got to do with a beautiful sermon about the peace of God? Well, you know I, I'm just trying to say, sometimes you lock your doors for reasons, and these guys, the reason they locked their door was because of fear. They were afraid. Fear. It says the door's being locked for fear of the Jews. Now look at this verse, Matthew 6, 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit of, to your stature? That's amazing. I mean, if worrying would add 18 inches, I'd do it a lot. <laughs> You know, I'm like, man, I could grow a foot and a half just by worrying. A chronic worry, uh, it was really strange to me that Jesus would say, worrying will not cause you to grow your height. So I would try just about anything. But anyways, I actually never knew I was short until about 15 years ago. My wife said, you're really short. I went, what? I know you think that's funny, but I really didn't know that. So, and when she told me, it was, I'm so, wow. It was so hard to believe. But you know, some people they worry so much, if this was true, they'd be giants. You know what I mean? Like boom, you would you would fly through your shoes. But you know, worry is a bad thing. and you know, I checked out worry. How many when you got a concern or something, go to WebMD? How many do that? Just me? I think it's great. I think the internet you can find anything. It's so great, you know. In fact, some people, while I'm preaching, Google the pastor. Because is that really true? And they start to Google my facts. You know, they do fact-checking right while I'm teaching and talk to me later and go, oh. Anyway, WebMD, it said the effects of worry, the effects of worry on your body. It says chronic worry and emotional stress can trigger a host of health problems. The problems occur when fight or flight is triggered daily by excessive worrying and anxiety. It creates problems such as, hold on there, when Gregory Boyd was here, Greg was talking about a book, he referred us to a book, but but that doctor showed if you chronically worry, you're actually activating a part of your brain that does fight or flight. There are times for fight and flight. Like, I mean, if you're walking down the road and a lion jumps out in front of you, that's a good time to run. Or if you got a club, beat them over the head, but run would probably be good. So that part, it's good to have that because at those times you need to do something. But you know what? They're only for that occasion. But when people chronically worry about things, you're actually activating that fight or flight thing and you end up sending, you know, things into your blood system and cortisol and all kinds of other things that that would be good for flight and good adrenaline, different things like that that would be good for that occasion. But it's not good all the time and if it's happening all the time, it it actually is causing brain damage and that your brain is actually sending toxic signals throughout your body to every single cell. Every single cell is getting toxic signals, and it causes sickness and disease on so many levels. You know, it's clearly said that 85 to 90% of all disease starts in your head. It's because of the way you think. And that's not me. That's WebMD said that, and a few other doctors. But listen to this. They had a list of the things that happen when you worry too much. Difficulty swallowing. It's a dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability, irritability, easily irritated, muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling, and twitching. These are all what happen when you're worrying and you shouldn't be worrying. And the Bible says, be anxious for nothing but push it all over on Jesus. Peter said, you know what? God cares for you. Cast all your cares. Like literally cast them. I mean, all of your being. Throw it on Jesus because he cares for you. So you know what? It's so good that God wants to do the caring. So you know, I let him do that job. He cares so I don't have to. And you care on him. Can I get an amen? All right. So let's get back to our story. Let's get back to it. First, uh, John 14, 27. Before... He went to the cross. In the upper room, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you peace. But do not let your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, he said that knowing that in a few hours they're going to come arrest me. It's going to get messy. They're going to see my back get torn open. I'm going to get whipped and beaten. They're going to drag me through the streets and then they're going to hang me on a cross. And this is going to be pretty hard for you to take. But he says, don't worry. Don't get freaked out. And He, he lays out the whole plan for them and yet even though he laid it all out and said, don't worry, they still fell into chronic worry. And folks, we believers, even though God says, don't worry, a lot of us are still really successful at getting freaked out about stuff. Don't worry, don't worry, you know, and it says, not as the world gives, you know, the world, the world, listen, with the world, peace is an outside job, you're always trying to find peace, you're searching for peace, you're trying to get peace, or you, you get a, if you can't find peace, you get a substance or something to self-medicate and get away from it, but Jesus is saying, not a world kind of peace, the world, you know, you got to search for it, or get somebody to talk to you, or somebody, you're always searching for some outside connection, but with the kingdom, it's an inside job, with the kingdom, it's an inside job, but it's not just an inside job. It's a supernatural job. So we want to talk about this. Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians three sixteen. Reading from the Amplified again, it says, "Now may the Lord of Peace Himself, the Lord of Peace Himself, grant you His." Peace. I mean, this ain't my peace. This isn't, this isn't some some you know peace that you can get through a lecture or some peace that you can purchase. It's the God of peace will give you his peace. Literally, the peace of God Himself. He says, Let his peace, the peace of his kingdom, let it at all times and always, under all circumstance and conditions, whatever comes, let that Lord, let that peace be with you all. You want to say whatever. You know, that peace can invade your circumstance. Whatever is going on, you have access not only to the God of peace, but you have access to his very peace to touch you in that circumstance and situation. Please settle down. I'm trying to finish here. I've only got 40 minutes. That's what I said last time. Oceanographer, say oceanographer. I don't know what an oceanographer... I think they study oceans, right? They'd be an oceanographer. uh, But here's what they tell us. They tell us that the worst of ocean storms rarely extend more than 25 feet below the surface. Gales can rip the ocean, causing tidal waves of 100 feet high, but just 20 feet below the surface of the water, it is calm as a pond. That's not my words. That was actually from an oceanographer. 25 feet really isn't that much, Kevin. You know, because that post, that post to that post. See this post right here, this post... From this post to that post right there, 25 feet. From this post to this post is 30 feet. How many always wondered that? How many sat here all the time? He's preaching. You're trying to figure out how far are those posts apart. They, I know that. I know a fact that these. This way they're 30. This way they're 25. It's 150 feet by 100 feet. The whole building, and 25, 25, 25. Anyway, there you go. Just some facts for you to write. Down. Write. Write a note on that. Right. Did you draw it? But think about that. You could have crazy 100 feet waves up here, and yet if you went just 25 feet down, it's as calm as a pond. Calm as a pond. Say, peace is an inside job. And it doesn't matter what's going on. That's what Paul was saying to the Thessalonians. He's saying, it doesn't matter what's going on or what's happening outside in your world. There is a peace inside of you, the peace of God in you, that will cause you to rise up and stand in the midst of anything and be absolutely confident in any storm that it shall not touch you. I like that. Now... This is a a quote from a a book about uh, martyrs and people, but this is from the Korean church and the Korean Christians during the persecution. They said, we're just like nails. The harder you hit us, the deeper you drive us. The deeper you drive us, the more peaceful it becomes. That's pretty amazing. There's people going through real genuine persecution, difficulty, hardship, family being taken out and killed, and they said, it doesn't matter what you do to us. The more you hit us, the deeper we go. The deeper we go, the more peaceful it becomes. That's good stuff right there. Huh? Huh? <laughs> okay. All right. Peace. Peace is shalom and Irene, the Hebrew and the Greek. It means completeness, soundness, health, prosperity, security, welfare, peace. In the Greek word, the Greek word is harmony, concord, security, safety, prosperity, felicity, a peace and a harmony that makes and keeps things safe and prosperous. So Jesus isn't just saying, hi. He's saying, let peace, let security, let health, let prosperity invade your situation. And that's the kind of peace he wants to manifest in our lives. So I want to give you four kinds of peace that you can experience. You ready? First one is the theological experience of peace because you have peace with God. And the peace with God, the understanding of God himself and the fact that you're at peace with him, Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't real aren't really sure if God's likes them or he's for them or he's, you know, not really sure if he's even pleased with you. You know that he loves Pastor Carl because he's his favorite, but you're not sure where you are on the scale of, you know, how do what does God feel about me? You've been justified by faith in the finished work of the cross. And it's just as if you'd never and one way to take justified is just as if you'd never sinned. And there's nothing in you that disappoints him. He's nuts about you and he's never going to change his mind. He's always loved you and he always will. And you need to know that. You need to have that experience working in you. You've been reconciled with God. He's for you. You're not his enemy. You are loved. You are embraced and accepted. You got to know that. You got to know that. You got to have a revelation that God is absolutely for you. That's why we sing songs. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. I'm in him. I'm wrapped up in his heart. Yes, I am. Nothing can move me from his firm grip on my life. I am his child. I can't even take myself out of this equation because he's totally committed to me. Even if I'm unfaithful, he is still faithful. He'll never, 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 never let me go. I'm so secure in the love of Christ. Amen. Colossians 1.20, he's reconciled all things to himself by him, whether things on earth and whether things in heaven. He has made peace through the blood of his cross. We have peace with God. There is nothing. He has removed every offense, past, present, or future. He's removed it from the equation. You have peace with God, Luke 7.50. Then he said to the woman, he said, your faith has saved you. Go in Peace. See, your faith in him, your faith that you're a child of God, that faith has qualified you to live in and walk in a very peaceful, consuming relationship with a God who is absolutely nuts about you. And you got to have that revelation. Psalm 85 10 says righteousness and peace of kiss together. Righteousness and peace of kiss together. They're connected. They're totally connected. Isaiah 32 17 says the effect of righteousness will be peace. How many have ever had to take an exam at school or anywhere you had to go and, and you know, you waited for it to be marked and you were concerned about it. But when you got back and you looked at the mark, you got a perfect mark. How did you feel about that? I got 100%. I mean, the worry about how you did is gone because you saw your mark and my grade was, I'm perfect. You just want to tell everybody, what did you get? What did you get? What did you get? I'm perfect. Listen, folks, we are all perfect in the sight of God. You know, when you know that you are righteous, when you know that he became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. How righteous am I? The righteousness of God righteous. It's a gift to you. You've been justified by faith, and you are the righteousness of God, righteous in his sight, and he's never going to change his mind. Please say, thank you, Jesus. And you know what? When you know that, bam, right there, it says that that peace is going to work in you internal and external. And the result of this righteousness is quietness and confident trust forever. I am a child of God, that makes you pick up your step, pick up your head, and say, I am a child of God, and no matter what comes my way, I'm established in the fact that I have peace with God, and he will never condemn me, and no condemnation can come against me, because I am at peace with God Almighty. He is for me, and not against me. All right, let's move on. If you know what, righteousness and peace equal each other, so if you don't have that sense of peace, check your righteousness. Oh, that's it. I got to check how righteous I am. No, check where your source of righteousness is. Check where you're trying to get it from because try- if you're trying to get it from your ability to qualify for it, it you know, he still loves you, but you've stressed yourself out because you don't have a proper revelation of how to be in a relationship with God check your righteousness. My righteousness is from God himself. Boom. That'll give you peace because that's absolute theological truth. Number two, say number two, the peace of God, the peace of God, a physiological experience, physiological, physiological. See, I just touched the physiology of Kevin. But you see, it says that the peace of God will touch my physiology. The peace of God doesn't just make me feel wonderful and just give me the righteousness of God. It also has effects on me physically, mentally, and in every way, the peace of God touches my life. Philippians 4, 7, it says, and the peace of God which passes understanding, surpasses the peace of God which is beyond understanding, the peace of God that you can't even get your head of, the peace of God that you can't understand, the peace of God that is out of this world, the supernatural peace of God. Yeah it'll do something. The supernatural peace of God will guard your heart. It'll put a guard around your heart and your mind. You see, literally your heart, your mind, your physical self, your psychological self, all that you are, that peace will affect you in a powerful way. Isaiah 26 says, you keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Do you trust him? Do you trust that he's your peace? Do you trust that no matter what circumstances, as it said in Thessalonica, no matter what circumstance, God's peace trumps that situation. He, God, the God of peace, has given me his peace, and it works in every circumstance and situation. I'm in a difficult situation. Ah, but wait, there's more. You know, I believed in God, but I'm stuck behind a locked door. I feel trapped. I feel afraid. But wait, there's more. You obviously don't have the full story. Because he has given you peace. A peace that works, a peace that's powerful and a peace that's supernatural and a peace that will affect you. Give me another slide. I'm on a roll, Thessalonica 5.23. Now, may the peace of God himself sanctify you completely, set you apart, cause you to be perfect in every way, completely completely. May the peace of God do that. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace of God will do a thorough, absolute, total work in your life, in every aspect of it, your spirit, your mind, your soul, your body, every aspect of who you are, God wants to redeem and save and bring into completeness. Peace! Peace. Yell at your neighbor, peace. Peace. Then tell your neighbor you need a mint. You need a mint. (laughs) let's say peace in God let's go to this one next one third peace in God now I actually wanted to change this to a sociological thing you know because but I had relational but just to you know make it more uh, complex sociological experience Psalm 34 14 try to live in peace with everyone that's from the living Bible I mean another translation says do your best to live another translation says as much as it depends on you live at peace with every person What that tells us is that some people are just so obstinate, it doesn't matter how hard you try. But you know what? You should still try. Make every effort. You see, in, in Ephesians 4, 3, it says we have unity in the Spirit. It's not something we create. Let's get in unity, brother. Would you? We want to be in unity, so would you please think like I do? Would you please agree with the things I do? Would you come alongside? Let's all believe the same things, then we can be in unity. Let's all, you know, be offended about the same stuff. Let's get on the same page, brother, and then we can be in unity. There's no such thing as that. There's, Kevin and I are in unity, but we love football, and the Lions and the Cowboys are playing today. I like the Cowboys. He likes the Lions, so we disagree about who's going to win. But we're in unity about football. But you know what? People are striving to try to be in unity. There is already unity. There is unity. God has created a place of unity. It's called in the spirit. And you know, when you stay in the spirit and you stay in that place of peace, you don't get offended about stuff says, great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Offense is a tool of to the devil, and when you embrace it, it's something. that's just trying to wreck your life and wreck your relationships. But you know what? If you're going to say, I'm going to live at peace with every single person, that means you're going to discipline yourself every day. The Apostle Paul said, I discipline myself to take offense at no man. I discipline myself. I discipline myself to take offense at no man. You know, when you're in the spirit, you can't stay in the spirit and say, I'm offended. You can't say I'm in the spirit and be in strife with your brother and your sister. See, the peace of God. Because I know that I have peace with God and because I'm baptized with the peace of God, it means that I can have peace in God in every circumstance and every situation. But you know, when you have unrest in who you are and when your identity is unsure and when you feel that you've got to protect yourself or preserve something about yourself, you're not sure about your standing with God. It doesn't mean that you're not standing in the right place with God, but it does mean that you somehow think that you have to defend yourself because God won't do a good enough job. But when you're secure in God, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If God is for us, Who can be against this? And because I know God is for me, I can openly forgive. I can openly say I'm terribly sorry. I can openly say all these kinds of things. And I can go after, hardcore, after reconciliation because you're secure in the peace of God. And the peace of God tells us, it it says, Ephesians 4, 3 says, endeavor, or another translation says, make every effort. Make every effort to not create unity, but keep the unity. Because there is unity; it's already there. So I could go to pastors' prayer meetings and say, "We need to get in unity." I went. Well, are you in the spirit? Yes, I am. Me too. We're in unity. Because <laughs> whatever we create, we're trying to create some act of the flesh to get us all in the same room. And you can have a whole bunch of people in the same room and have total disunity, but if you get a whole bunch of people in one room in the spirit, you have perfect unity and you have perfect peace. Yeah. I mean, has anybody here been offended lately? How many? I've probably offended you just preaching this morning. Some of you are offended about the saran wrap on the toilet. You'll never come back again. That picture is in your head, and you're just like, so why does he do that? Why can't he leave the toilet out of sermons? What's the matter with them? Anybody who knows the Thomas is our family. I don't know why, but all the jokes surround stuff like that. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe we need freedom, but you got to love me, anyways, right? Huh? No, no, I want to be offended with you. I, I, you know what, I can't get past that. I had a guy left the church. I saw him six months later, and I said, man, hey, where you been? I haven't seen you around. He said, well, you offended me six months ago. I went, wow, I, for six months you've been carrying this. Well, what was the problem? What did I do? He said, you know what? One time you were preaching, you said, crap. That's probably something I might say in a sermon. You know, I'm really sorry about that. Was that offensive? He says, it was. I can't believe a man of God would say and I actually guard myself to not say it anymore because I realize that, you know, it says also discipline yourself not to, not to be the person who causes offense, you know? So I was like, man, I don't want to do that anymore. So, so Cheryl still says it when she preaches, but I don't. So, so confess their sins one for another. Amen. So, so, you know, you gotta, you gotta, gotta, gotta maintain peace. You know what? You're gonna get offended. If you're going to get up out of bed in the morning, especially me, I don't know, but I, I got opinions about everybody's driving, don't you? Like even today, pulling in, I, I'm coming down Soundingdale, and you know, we got to stop at a light. So the person in front of me pulls through the gas parking lot, through the Tim Hortons parking lot, cuts across, just about hits three or four cars that are trying to get a coffee, another lady pulling in to get gas, and they're ripping through the parking lot just so they can avoid the light and get around the corner. And I was like, that is so annoying. So when I got around the corner, I sped up as fast as I could to catch up with that person. Because, you know, I just wanted them to know how offensive their driving was. I almost killed my wife trying to do it. But I'm telling you, they needed to know that I saw it and I judged them. You are wrong. My wife's always telling me, like, relax, get over it. Who cares? I don't know. I'm a stranger. It is hard. I don't know. I get Anyways, my wife's tapping her watch. So, uh... Cheryl, you have to sit in the front row. I can't even see you. So, but I saw something waving back there. We need the peace in God. Now listen, this is it, peace for God, all right? Cosmological, isn't that awesome? Cosmological. You know, as he said, uh, peace. My peace, I'm going to give with you. My peace, I want to impart to you. I'm going to breathe the breath of God, the breath of life on you because as I was sent, I'm sending you. You know, peace is what propels us to take the goodness of God to other people. When you don't have a revelation of the peace of God, you don't have that peace in yourself, you don't have that peace in other relationships, then you're mucked up and messed up, and you're missing the whole point that you're supposed to have a revelation to all that because the purpose of God is that you'd be a peacemaker in the earth. And the devil loves to keep you in a place of no peace so that you can't be an agent of peace. It's not tricky. He's not offended at you, but he knows. That's why he says we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. He knows we can get mad at each other and messed up in all of our little toil. We won't be doing what God wants us to do. But here's what God wants to do. Peace established in the cosmos, manifesting his kingdom is what God wants. I really believe that. I really believe when he said, my son has come peace on earth and goodwill toward all men. God wants peace on earth. Romans 10, 15 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. God loves you. He's for you. He's nuts about you telling people peace, peace. Give me another slide. We're doing good. Acts ten, thirty-eight says, they went about preaching peace. They went about preaching peace peace. They went about preaching shalom. There's a new king in town, and that king is a king of prosperity, of health, of welfare, of security. That king is the prince of peace. He is the king of Jerusalem. He's the king of your peace. And the message is peace. And we're to bring peace. Isaiah 9, it talks about the, the names of Jesus the names of the, the, the Savior. And one of the names is he is the Prince of Peace. And then it says, of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. Listen to that. His government, his governance, the manifestation and the expression of his kingdom, it will increase and it will fill the earth. And of the increases of his government and what will the manifestation of his government be? It'll be peace. And of the increase of peace filling the whole globe, there'll never be an end to it. It will increase, it will increase, it will increase to no end to the increase of his peace. And that's why he says, blessed, Look, give me another slide right here. Here it is, another slide, boom. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children or the sons of God. See, we Canadians are lovely people. People bang into us at the airport, sorry oh, sorry. I've had people like, oh, sorry. Oh, you're from Canada. <laughs> I didn't say, hey, they just said, oh, sorry. Oh, you're a Canadian. Because we're always sorry. I don't know why, but, but we're sorry. But, you know, we're the kind of people who stand between two people who can't stand each other and say, hey, hey, get along, get along. Stop it. Hey, hey. But, you know, you can stand in the middle of that. They still hate each other. See, God didn't say go out there and be peacekeepers. Hey, 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 stop it. I want to blow them up. I hate them. I want to destroy them. Stop it. I'm going to stay between you. Pay attention. Behave, behave. See, God doesn't want peacekeepers. He wants peacemakers. You're going to obliterate the strife. You're going to remove the frustration. You're going, to, you're going to say, I am here not to condone or stand between or be the referee. I'm going to crush this thing right now because God and his kingdom is a manifestation of Peace. And that's what it is, it's all about peace. So there's people in locked rooms, and when you walk into their locked room and you just try to be a peacekeeper, you're not helping them. When Jesus walked in, he didn't try to say, hey guys, I know it was terrible, hey, oh, well, let's try to get through it. He came and said, peace, it's over, done. Your struggle is gone, your fear is gone, you're here. I'm bringing you, I'm gonna usher you into a massive breakthrough. We must be people who bring peace. We're to bring peace everywhere we go. We should, it should be our personal responsibility that when we see brokenness, we see hardship, we see difficulty, we see grief, we see sickness, we see people not understanding the love of a wonderful father, we should right then feel like I have a responsibility as an ambassador of God to compel them to experience the kingdom. And we, are people, are supposed to bring peace. Peace, peace. I got another slide right here. John 20, back to these guys, all right? They're locked up in that room. But aren't you glad that no matter what situation you're in today, it could be a 100-foot tidal wave, but I'm telling you, 25 feet from peace is calm, is calm. But that peace has to come from right here. The peace of God wants to invade your circumstance and invade your life. And you might be groping all over the place, where is that peace? God himself, the God of peace, has given you his peace. And it's an inside job. And that inside job, that peace, I love what our sister was saying. It's like a seed. I don't know what it's going to do, but I know it's going to do what it was sent to do. And the peace of God in your heart, it is strong enough to heal you. It is strong enough today, no matter what level of disease, discomfort, cancer, all those ugly words, no matter what it is, I'm telling you, the peace of God was sent not to just say, oh, well, you know, be at peace with God. Your circumstance won't change. But anyways, you'll have the peace. No, the peace has come to change the nature of your struggle. And the peace has come today to completely, totally deliver you. But wait, but wait, there's more. There's more. There's always more. Nevertheless, there's always more. Come on, why don't you stand up with me? Hey, peace. 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 Can you all just, all the believers, you're praying. You're praying, we're praying, we're praying. Just bow your heads, close your eyes, everybody praying. I don't know everyone here today, maybe you came in, you saw a billboard or an ad or something, but... Listen, I want you to experience that peace with God. Maybe you've always thought I'd like to know God, but I don't. I don't know. There's all of this struggle. I'm not sure how do I get to God. God's come to you. It's God right here telling you that He's for you, He's not against you. I tell you, He's always loved you. You've never lived an unloved moment. But right now, today, He says, I accept you, and I want you to accept Him. And if you're saying, you know, I've never accepted him. I don't know what it is to be a child of God. I need that revelation of peace in my life today. I want to pray for you. You know, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand really high just to identify that you want prayer today. All right. Are you ready? Here it is. One, two, three. Just put your hand up very, very high. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You can put your hands down now. Thank you. We're going to pray, and I want you to pray. You put your hand up. Just lift up your voice and pray. But we're all going to pray with you, so you don't have to feel strange about it, because we're going to pray. And I want you to repeat after me. It goes like this. You ready? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I believe that because of what you did, I am forgiven, I am healed, and I am free. I receive you now as my personal Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, just come into my life. Testify that I am indeed a child of God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, somebody might tap you on the shoulder and say hey saw you had your hand up and they might chat with you a little bit just because I don't want you just to make a decision I want you to fully unpack because you know what you know what the series is about but well, wait there's more there's always so much more so much more that we can unpack in the revelation of Jesus Christ listen I'm so serious you know when he said peace he meant health he meant prosperity he meant health in relationships he meant all those things And if you got any area in your life today where you need healing in your body, I want to pray for you. In fact, just, could we bow our heads one more time? Just bow our heads, close our eyes. If somewhere in that sermon you felt like, you know, I felt God speaking to me. There's there's an area in my life right now, the Holy Spirit's like a spotlight on an area in my life where things are out of line and there's a lack of peace. And he wants to bring peace, maybe to a relationship, maybe to a situation, maybe to some physical area of your life. But you can feel right now that God has his finger on that, not to condemn you, but to tell you, I want peace to touch that area now, today, right now. And if you say, Pastor, pray for me before you go, just put your hand up where you are and say, I want that peace to touch my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You can put your hands down. Gonna pray for you. Can I can I ask the ministry teams to come, elders come and We always, at the end of every meeting, our elders and our leaders and and people trained to do altar ministry stand across the front and uh, they're here to pray with you. So many people, we've had deaf ears open, people touch, people hear, words of direction, purpose, people agreeing with something in your life that needs prayer. But there's people here ready to minister to you. But I want to pray for all of you right now. You ready? Come on, pray with me. Let's agree together. It says two people standing on earth when they know the will of God and they declare it in Jesus' name, we have what we've asked for. Let's agree together for healing right now. Let's agree together right now that every person, Person who suffers from any form of disease that has broken off their lives this morning, right now, in Jesus' name. Father, anywhere where there's a dis, where there's discouragement, there's dis-ease, there's discomfort, there's, there's any discombobulation at all in their lives, if there's anything in my life that doesn't manifest peace, you told me to cast every care on you. For I thank you that peace does mean health. It means it means prosperity. It means blessing. It means wholeness. It means security. It means felicity. It means wellness in every aspect of my life. I want that peace to invade my life right now. So in the name of Jesus, I command every disease to go. Because Jesus, your name, you are the prince of peace. And I command peace to increase, even physiologically in bodies in every way. People who are trapped in their minds, boxed in, hindered, they're not living to the benefits or the way they could. They're stuck in some offense or boxed in in some area and they just can't get past it. God, in the name of Jesus, I declare deliverance. Jesus, show up right now. Just walk through that locked door. Stand. Boldly in their experience and declare peace and let liberty and freedom come in jesus name in jesus name Father, we speak peace over this body. We speak peace right now. We speak peace over this whole series that we're going to go through. Let the peace of God accelerate. Let the peace of God increase. Let there be growth of your government and in your kingdom as we go through this series together. Thank you for blessing Saturday night. Thank you for acceleration. Thank you for growth. Thank you for blessing our efforts to make your name great. And we just pray for more and more and more in every way. So, Father, I bless these folks in the name of Jesus. In the name of the wonderful Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I command your richest blessing and favor on them. Send us now, as you were sent, to bring peace and reconciliation everywhere we go. Be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.